Welcome to Captivated Minds. I'm Jake. I'm Stan. And this is our heavy hitters, our, our main series this week. So we are going to talk about, since we were talking about haunted locations last week too with Emily's Bridge. Emily's right? Bridge. Dun, we're going to talk about something a little different. This one's a little bit more creepy. And before we get into it, we do have an explicit warning. If you do have kids that listen to our show, well, we thank you for letting them listen to some of our shows. <laughs> this may not be the episode for them. No, it might It might not be. I mean, this is... We're going to be talking about some themes and some topics that uh, might not be great for kids. Right. So, if you think about it, we did House on Haunted Hill. We the, did. The movie, right? Last week. And if you if you think about it, this place had some of that stuff in it, like right. real stuff. Yeah, like they did messed up things to people. That's right. In this place. That's right. So what we're talking about is uh, Harlem Valley State Hospital or Harlem Valley Psychiatric Ward. You could uh, psychiatric center. Sorry, not ward. They didn't use that word at the time, but you can say either or. So when we talk about HV or just Harlem Valley, that's what we're talking about. It does have multiple names, but that's what we're just going to stick to one name so it's not confusing throughout. Yeah, so Harlem Valley, yeah, and this thing is it, huge. It is. It, huge. In size, not the episode. Well, right. maybe. Um, but I'm not saying it's huge. I'm not saying it's big, but I'm saying it's just right. Just right. <laughs> So on our last episode, yeah, we just talked about the bridge in Vermont, which thank you all of our listeners for letting us know that you liked the episode. Yes. Um, so this episode does contain violence and cruel acts performed on kids and adults. So you've been warned before you get into it, it does get a little rough at times. And also, everyone just remember, this stuff happened in a time, like between... Let's say the 1800s and all the way up to 1970s, they really didn't know how to treat people. No. Um, especially some who have mental disabilities. That's right. Um, so, like, a lot of the stuff that doctors and, and other humans did to other humans is really screwed it's up. It's not right. It's not right at all. Compared to what we can do now. But right. we still they have just, to talk about the history of those acts or in the history of these buildings, basically. I mean, they used to take kids who have kids who had mental disabilities and throw them in with adults who had didn't really have disabilities, but they were like sexual predators. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And they threw them all in the same group because all oh, they're all just mentally disabled. That's right. So a lot of these kids got really screwed up. Or, or or screwed up, or even some adults who couldn't defend themselves got really screwed up. So the Harlem Valley State Hospital opens its doors officially for the first time on April twenty fourth, nineteen twenty four. The state hospital was designed for a key purpose to help care and treat those with who with whom in, within society had deemed insane or mentally unwell due to the standards of the time. During these early years of Harlem Valley, there were only three main buildings, A, B, and C. Money from a hospital, hospital was requested for a potential expansion at this time. By August 24th, uh, August, uh, not 24th, August 1924 of that year, 24 patients had joined the Harlem Valley Hospital. The expansion at this time included the farmland and its joint and, and the adjoining property so from three to 24 that's a big jump already that is that is a really big jump yeah that's a really big jump and i just i still 
I'm looking at the pictures of this place right now, and I just can't get over the fact that it, it is, is a small town. It's a small town. I'll like, go into the acres in a little bit because right. it, it gets pretty nuts, but like, it's a small town. I think it's bigger than the town I live in. Probably. Wh- which I, is I would agree with weird. that. Yeah. Within 1925 through 1929, the, the hospital saw another major expansion. The number of patients also began to rise at an exponential rate as well. It would rise from 24, which we just mentioned, to 250, and from 250 to 1,294, uh, uh, 12, so 1,294. Huge jump. That's a very big jump. Wow. All Twice. Of, all of a sudden, like in a blink of an eye, like 1,000 people just That's right. popped in. This is a rapid jump in patients during a very short period of time. Harlem Valley was now at the point of a small town. Within 1928, buildings F and G were also added on and completed. Tennis courts were also added to the property during this time, and a basketball, uh, baseball field sorry, was also added for employees as well. With the large expansion of patients on the rise, the facility had requested more staff members to join the cause. So we're seeing an increase in staff, and we're seeing an increase in patients. I, I mean... I would love it if our job just said, hey, guys, you know what? You've been working real hard. Here's a baseball field. Yeah. Or here's a tennis court. Yeah. That's really – for for them to have to at add that. At that time, that, too. To, right. At that time to add that. Yeah. Hey, we have all the – it's almost like, hey, we have all this property. What, Might as well make use of it. What can we add? That's right. A switchboard was installed at this time at the facility, too. So they had their own switchboard. That's right. That's see again. So that they are at town status at that point. You yeah. You would think so because all the buildings had to communicate to one another. Right. During the fall of 1929, new staff quarters were also completed. by By the time 1934 rolled around, there were a large number of structures located on this property. This expanse would lead to uh, more nurses and more doctors. Because of the large amount of people coming into the facility, it required more help to meet the demand. So high demand in patients, high high number of patients, high demand in doctors and nurses. And we can just see that incline growing as the episode uh, continues. Another expansion would lead to the campus having a farm, a bakery, refrigeration plants, and even storerooms. During the 1930s, a children's clinic was also added to the property. See, when I hear children's clinic, it's like one of two things. Either they do have a lot of children patients, which you'll probably get into, or maybe you might get into this too. I'm wondering if people started moving in, like – uh, employees and their families type of thing? I would I would say more of the other side. The other side? Okay. It, it was more a, a, a I, clinic just for kids. Okay. That like, that way, separation. That's right. That's right. That's all I want, separation. Yeah, yeah. Separation. No, no, no. <laughs> I you're, mean, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because when, when you this time, take yeah. kids and throw them in with adults and, like, too many bad things can happen. That's and, right. But this, this whole section was just designed for kids. Okay. So, yeah. So within this period of time, or around this time, a new form of treatment was introduced to Harlem Valley. A doctor showcases insulin shock treatment to the campus. Harlem Valley became the go-to location to learn about this particular kind of treatment. Insulin shock therapy was a new form of psychiatric treatment at this time. 
This particular type of treatment would treat uh, a patient or patients. Uh, they would get injected with a substantial, substantive amount of insulin in order to produce a medical-induced coma. This type of therapy was used more throughout society within the 1940s and the 1950s. It was ultimately be replaced by modern drugs in the 1950s, 1960s overall. It's that's so messed up that you take you take a medicine that's supposed to help people and you you kind of turn it into something bad. We'll just wait. Like, yeah. Like you shouldn't be putting people in a medical induced coma with insulin because if it if you think about a sugar coma, people most people don't wake from that. Hold that thought for just one second and then come <laughs> back to it. This type of uh, treatment was labor-intensive and would require six shots for six days a week over several months on end. This treatment was also designed to help cure a patient with schizophrenia. Some doctors even would give uh, electroshock, electroshock treatment to these patients while they were under heavy sedation. Wow. So this type of therapy would also run a number on the patients. This treatment would cause an individual to thrash, spasm, and even roll and or t- uncontrollably twitch. Uh, by 1958, the treatment would become outdated. So, oh, it's outdated. So as you were saying, they, they were putting people into a sugar coma, but they were also shocking them at the same time. Kids and adults, by, mind you. And again, it, it's also another one of those things where – Okay, this one thing is wrong is wrong with you, but we're going to cause you more pain. More pain to get rid of this. That's right. Which is really messed up. Yeah, it you know, is. I mean, it's like it's like drugs nowadays. All right, drugs are mild compared to the treatments the, in this, this episode. One, this one pill is going to cause this many problems, but it gets rid of your one problem. But now you have to have so pills for all you, those problems. So now you have eight more pills to counteract this drug and so on and so on and so on. That's right. But with this, it's like, okay, hey, look, you're not schizophrenic anymore. No. But now you're, you twitch you're, a lot. Or you're in a coma. Or you're in a coma. <laughs> but but you're fine. Yeah. During the 1930s, this treatment uh, would, was at Harlem was pioneered at Harlem, Harlem Valley. At pioneered. The, that's right. Pioneered. Jeez. At the peak... There was 5,400 people at this one location. Many of the doctors and nurses helped during the war effort uh, because we were during we were within World War II. The medical care professionals who did help during this time period did receive a plaque for their commitment. By 1945, the number of people at this location started to dwindle down to 4,400. This is all at the one location, all at Harlem Valley. And this number also reflects doctors and nurses. So you got to think 4,400 people. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Within 1947, another building was introduced. This time, it was a recruiting center. This center was designed to help bring in more doctors and nurses on campus. So let's just talk briefly about electroshock therapy because we're going to kind of mention it in a second. Electroshock therapy was given to patients who were redeemed erratic or violent based off the doctor's request. We are, we are able to peek behind the curtain just a little bit here at Harlem Valley and to see what's going on with the doctors. So you have kids. Sometimes they get a little erratic, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 so they can. Yes, they can. It's not. It's not their fault. They're but just kids, right? It's they're kids. They that's, have. That's right. They have a lot of energy. 
Mm-hmm. And what happens is parents don't have that energy anymore. No. So it's overwhelming. That's, That's right. what it is. But you just have to remember they're kids. You were kids at you're a kid at one point. You just have to have that mindset. That's right. These people almost like they forgot about that mindset. That's right. Like, how can you forget that you were a kid at one point? At uh, Harlem Valley, electro- electroshock therapy was being prefer- performed on those who were uncooperative. This would include kids and adults. This treatment occurs when the brain is shocked with strong direct current. Direct current, huh? Sounds familiar? Yep. And this brain is typically shocked from the frontal temple, but on occasions can be used on the backside of a person's brain. 800 milliamps would pass through the brain for upwards of six-second increments. Depending on the person, the doctor may go longer or shorter. So they may crank up the juice on you or may lower it if they like you or not. (laughs) This treatment was used for helping a person with depression, mania, even catatonia. This treatment would later be used to help those with bipolar disorder. And later they'll find out it doesn't really work. Well, okay. We talked about he, direct currents too in another episode here's too, the, so that's a lot. Here's the real the controversy, right? A lot, uh, to me, electrical, uh, electroshock therapy should never be used. Shouldn't. Because it can really screw someone up. But in these times... It was working. Yeah. According to the doctors. According to the doctors. Again, it's because it was a different time and they didn't know what the hell they were doing. So this poor kid who just had all this pent up energy now is almost comatose because he his brain's now fried. Or from the insulin. Or the insulin thing. So you have insulin and you have shock therapy do so you, far. Do you go – I don't know if you go into this, but is there cases where kids had both? I didn't, I didn't go into this. No, I couldn't find any. So a lot of like, this research was very vague. It doesn't go into particular cases, which like, I wish we could have found. But could you imagine if you like both? like a poor kid yeah. one day one day has his insulin treatment, and then the next he's getting his brain fried, and, and then, then, back, to and then back to the insulin treatment? It's like, just torture. That would be torture. It would be. And honestly, see – my mindset, I couldn't put my kids through that. No. I couldn't. No. So I don't know how how these parents could. I mean, I guess because they're being told by a doctor. It's okay. That, oh, hey, look, yeah, it's going to hurt them, but they're, they'll be fine. So Harlem Valley is using electroshock therapy at this time on its patients under the doctor's orders. This type of treatment at this time would be considered to be state of the art. If a patient did die due to unforeseen circumstances, it was all right in a sense because on the campus there was a cemetery. Let us be very clear about this. The way the doctors and the nurses cared about these patients and death at this location was very wrong. You would think that being a medical professional, you would have the intention to do what is right. Workers at Harlem Valley may have had clear malice intentions to their patients who had already died or who had they who had they had accidentally killed by the time the 1950s had rolled around harlem valley was now also performing lobotomies to patients oh yay let's cross that one off the list yeah so you now know, we've got the, the now we have the top three we've got insulin therapy <laughs> electroshock 
and lobotomies. And lobotomies. So a lobotomy is also known as electilotomy. Uh, I butchered that word. I'm sorry. This treatment cuts connections with a person's prefrontal lobe. The prefrontal lobe is a part of the human brain. The spot within the brain is responsible for cognitive behavior, personality, decision-making, and the control of social behavior. Typically, the prefrontal lobe does not fully mature within a person until they reach age 25. At age 25, this part of the brain hits its peak performance. It also becomes the heaviest point at this time. During this mature stage, the free frontal lobe, free frontal lobe, uh, starts storing and retaining information easy. And age twenty-five, when it matures, we're talking about kids. And now. we're talking about kids. Yes. And back in these days, they just love their lobotomies. They did. I mean, how many podcasts have we listened to that talked about lobotomies? A lot. And how messed up it was. That's right. When the lobotomy was created, it was designed as a tool pertaining to people with some sort of mental illness. So you can see how it's all kind of connecting back to Harlem Valley. Doctors began to experiment on patients as far back as the 1800s. During 1935, a neurologist named Anota Moniz creates what we know as the modern lobotomy. Many doctors were skeptical at the time when it was first introduced. But after a period of time, it became the new normal. Doctors and nurses became very accepting of this new form of medical treatment. I don't think lobotomies are, are they're illegal now, right? I don't know. I didn't go into that part I'll of the research. I'll have to look that up. You have eventually. to look that up, yeah. But I, I like how she creates a... <laughs> I think it's a guy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's a guy. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. But... Oh, I got a modern way of doing it now. The whole thing is is still cruel. So barbaric. Barbaric and cruel. Like, there is no to me there is no modern way of no, doing it. No. It's it is the most disturbing thing you can do to a person. It is. I mean, I've seen I want to say video. I haven't seen a video of it. Is it a video? No, it was uh, a transcript I was reading. That's what it was. But it was almost like I was there. I swear it was. So when you're reading it, the guy goes like on a step-by-step thing, and he even tells you all the sounds that he hears as like you're literally punching something through their temple. Yeah. Doctors were would perfect this technique using an ice pick. The ice pick was inserted into a person's eye socket. A hammer would hit the nail and hit the ice pick. And push it through the eye socket. By 1945, transorbital lobotomies were perfected. Roughly 50,000 lobotomies were performed within the United States. Some of these were performed at Harlem Valley. That's so many. That's a lot. That's so many. Okay, think about this. 50,000. 50,000 is... Probably a whole state's worth of people. It's a stadium. It's it's a football or baseball stadium full Full of people. people. That have all had lobotomies performed on them. Some probably without their consent or without their own will. Right. So that's really screwed up. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Now we have a kind of clear picture of the three various types of surgeries that were performed on kids and adults at the Harlem Valley facility. 
With today's standards, these types of procedures could easily be considered torture or inhumane. To today, a person can take a pill of some kind or some form of medication to help all of these issues that they may be having. We can only imagine what, kind, what Harlem, look, Harlem Valley looked like to a kid growing up thinking they were crazy. When in reality, it is also possible that the kid was just being a kid. Some of the doctors may have had the right intention, but their execution was far from right. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's just a kid being a kid. Yeah. And also, no, it, he's not being a kid. There's something it's wrong crazy. with him. crazy. So then you, you bring this kid back, right? You give this kid back to his parents. And his parents are going, oh, wow, he's not hyper anymore. So that's if the kids came back. That's if the kids came back. So, like, the very few that didn't come back, oh, hey, we couldn't fix him. And he didn't make it. And they're like, oh, man, bummer. That's what it seems like. Because to me, if you're going to hand your kid off to a doctor, you don't give a shit. Or this like, type of like facility. This, or, yeah. Because you would have to, as a parent, you would have to give your consent for for them to do whatever. So you would have to have some sort of idea of what's going on. Well, unless you're having a unless, blind eye. Right. See, this is this is really screwed up. Yeah. This is a really screwed up thing. By 1955, Harlem Valley, Harlem Valley began to int- also introduce psychiatric, psychotropic medicine to the patients within this facility. These types of medications would potentially help a person with ADD, OCD, anxiety dis- disorder, bipolar uh, disorder, depression, mood stabilizers, anti-obsessive traits, and mania. So the doctors introduce drugs to the patients. We go from shocking to drugging somewhat quickly. During 1956, there are roughly 5,800 patients, just patients, on this campus. We can also know that some of the medication did help with some of the patients. The research we did conduct did show did uh, did not show in any form or way, form or fashion what kind of bad reactions the patients had to the medications they were being given. They were, we were just told the patients were now being given medications. What? What is amazing is before you said that there was 4,400 people, and that was including doctors. And nurses. And nurses. Now we're at 5,800, that's and right. that's just patients. That's right. That is really screwed amazing yeah. and screwed up. Since the patients lived on site, we don't have any idea what happened to them or what medications would have made their made them worse. Yeah, because, I mean, no one knew what medications would work, what medications would cause different things. You, if you if you think about it, you give someone a medication. Now you have the FDA that regulates, that says, okay, they've done enough testing, here you go. Back then they didn't have that. No. So all of a sudden this guy goes, hey, I have a cure for this. Gives it to someone. Let's say that makes them more crazy. Right? For some reason. Makes them more crazy. They just think the medication's not working. So now it's, okay, we're going to give them a lobotomy. Or now we're going to give them this treatment. Or this, or this, or this. You could end up just making this person worse, and they were actually better off to begin with. That's right. By 1958, a new policy was put into place. This policy allowed some patients to some freedom to roam freely around the campus. These people were able to explore the grounds a little bit and still maintain that they stayed on campus. The farm at Harlem Valley, Harlem Valley was also removed at this time period. By 1960, 
This once self-sufficient community had gotten too big and would require restructuring. During 1963, a new expansion began on the eastern hillside. A brand new medical building was now being erected on campus. This building was state-of-the-art. It had a uh, surgical uh, medical build. It was a surgical medical building, basically. And this building is referred to as Building 85. So we go from like letters to numbers. This new building had an infirmary ward, operating rooms, a new laboratory clinic, a medical library, and then an updated morgue. I, I wonder if it's because they they ran they ran out of letters. They'll you go know to what them. I mean? Yeah. So it's like, hey, let's uh, let's move to numbers because well, it's going to be easier. Well, maybe they went with letters for patient buildings and then and then numbers for, for others, medical buildings. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, we can see that uh, we can see that Harlem Valley has gotten a facelift of sorts with this new state of the art medical facility. Having this state of the art equipment and buildings in place should have helped both with the doctors and the patients. You would think so, anyway. This could, in turn, cause the doctors to do a better job with the patients who would need more help. With this new building in place and the use of drugs instead of more brutal means, Harlem Valley seemed like it was almost a bright ray of sunshine in the dark shadow of what it once was. Other, mar- other major areas of the campus would also receive upgrades or changes as well. More open areas, even sun porches, were kind of installed at this time. I... I like how they're trying to make it almost family friendly. You know what I mean? They're trying to put they're trying to put lipstick on a pig. Really? You know what I mean? Okay, this everyone kind of knows how how this place is, but if we kind of pretty it up a little bit, that's right. Everyone will kind of like turn a blind eye to yep. it. Like that's how <laughs> this whole thing is really messing with me. It really is because it it is a a messed up place, and yet they're getting all this funding, government funding, government funding to build all these new buildings to get more people. Because I bet you all these people aren't just local, like from New York State, probably cross, probably country, from uh, all, over, all over. That's right. By 1972, layoffs began happening. This once large campus of doctors and patients was now starting to see the peak of what it once was. Excuse me. Within this time period, buildings A, B, and C were closing down. At this time, due to overcrowding and budget cuts, uh, there were a couple of factors to why they, they, those were the factors to why the buildings would close. Large populated facilities like Harlem Valley were almost a relic. Smaller facilities with tighter budget and smaller staff was now the thing of the future. Time was coming for Harlem Valley at some point, and the doctors had to know it. Well, there, this is when – see, that's it falls into that timeline I gave, right? Because when 1970s came in, they realized that what they were doing with people that had disabilities was totally wrong. They knew that – there needed to be a a doctor patient um, relationship relationship and ratio. You can't have one doctor and eighty patients. There's no you couldn't you do could, it all because for one you forget who each person is. Even if you have charts and stuff, you forget. So, but that's how this place, like a place like this, was set up. You had yeah, you had a group of nurses, not 
as many as you should, and like a couple doctors for thousands of people. That's 1970, right. they went through. The reason why I remember this is there was a camera crew for some sort of news outlet that actually snuck cameras into a facility and filmed and how messed up it was the facility was and it wasn't even like this it was it was another it was another hospital yeah and there was literally like patients on top of patients because they didn't have enough overcrowding overcrowding you had patients covered in their own like bowels and stuff because they they were kind of forgot about yeah and there was also people just tied to beds because oh well he gets violent and stuff so we got to keep him tied all the time which wasn't good either so that's when stuff like this happened 1970s is when everyone's eyes were open to hey something screwed up is happening we need to change it and i'm i'm kind of glad this place started to slowly lose its it's still open though it's right it's still at open this, at, at this, this point time, in time but it's still open yeah they're starting to lose funding have to I don't like the fact that they have to cut down people because that what that where does the, where is where the patients going too. Right, where are your patients going? If you are the patient staying and you have to cut down people because then you're going to run into a bigger problem. That's right. We can now start to see a clear change of what Harlem Valley once was. At its peak, it was the size of a town or even a small city. As time passed, clear changes began to occur, and these changes proved the way to be better. When it came to safety and the well-being of the patients, like we had just discussed, the doctors and nurses who were once cruel to these people were now paying the price in some form or fashion for the cruel acts they had committed over the years. Restructuring of mental health facilities would mean job losses, and those these professionals would not get the satisfaction of hurting others again. Yeah, and then then the lawsuits came. Oh, we don't talk about lawsuits in this one, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's. In it's this period, thing. that's what happened. Yeah. Like, once everyone found out what was going on, lawsuits, um, jail time, all that stuff. These doctors who supposedly were trying to help, it came to light that they, they weren't were, They were them. actually experimenting Harming. on these people, and it's it's not good. Not good. By 1974, during the 50th anniversary of the Harlem Valley, it changed. Uh, they have a full name change, and it works for the location. It is now referred to as the Harlem Valley Psychiatric Center. So it has a different name change. Again, like I said before, lipstick on a pig. That's you right. know what I mean? Just, still, just because you change the name doesn't mean it's changed anything. That's right. Ten years later, in 1984, the HVPC receives an award as the lead state in mental health. By the mid-80s, it receives yet another facelift, and it also gets some new life once again. By 1991, a talk of a total shutdown was occurring within the doctors and the patients. Funding was still being cut, and not even new methods of patient care could save this once large location. By 1994, uh, HVPC... Uh, shuts down its doors to the public for the final time. Wow. So we've talked about a lot so far while it was open. They did, the doctors and nurses did a lot of screwed up things. Yeah. They did a lot of bad things. But they did it's to kids and adults. It's mostly because society has this, not saying now, but 
then if you had some sort of disability you were you were lower than that's right other people in the society so when doctors did do these things it was almost okayed in the public's eye because it's like well they're nothing which isn't right which isn't right they're still people that's right by the year uh, 2013, renovations began to take place and things begin to live on once again within this abandoned town. People have claimed to have heard noises and sounds during key moments of this particular regis- uh, restoration. This place has become notorious for various sightings and haunted encounters over the year. It goes from an abandoned mental health facility to a ghost town over the course of years. From what we've talked about earlier in the episode, it does seem possible that some individuals may still haunt this place because of how they were treated or even killed during those time periods. We were able to find some witness testimony from people who had worked at, who had worked at Harlem Valley Psychiatric Center while it was still open. One, person's, one person in particular claimed they felt cold spots and heard random laughing and crying throughout the course of a night. Like how how would you feel? Laughing and crying. Okay, how would you feel if you were in if you were in like one of these abandoned buildings by yourself and that's what you heard? I would be a little freaked out. I, laughing and crying. Laughing is one thing, but laughing and crying or the combination uh, or of the, the combina- two like that would freak me out a little bit. It would freak me out. Just a little bit. I just And then to know if it was a kid or if it was an adult. Right. So Again, what kind what, what, of what we, kind of laughter? I know creepy kids freak you out. So, yeah. would a kid laughing be more creepier, or a kid crying be more creepier for you? I would think. Okay, the laughing would freak me out. The crying, I would actually have a sadness. Like yeah. I would feel bad. Yeah, it wouldn't really. It wouldn't freak me out as much as the laughing. The laughing, because the laughing, you almost have that maniacal feel it, to it. Am I being laughed at? Are these things looking at me, laughing at me? Am I, is something going to happen to me? Yeah. Where if you hear crying, you have this, like, I feel bad. It's still creepy, though. It's still creepy, but you have that sadness and feeling bad because even even after death, they are still crying in pain. That's right. Various people, other people have come through, forward throughout the years stating similar events about their travels to Harlem Valley. Some people have heard screams coming from in various buildings on campus. Other people have claimed that they have an eerie feeling that they're being watched or there's some sort of unsettling presence nearby or right on top of them. There's also been paranormal investigations done at this location. During these investigations, there are the typical equipment malfunctions and or battery failures that occur. Uh, this is in upstate New York, right? That's right. So it wouldn't be far from us. No, but it is closed off to the public. Is it really? Yeah. So do you have to make an appointment? Or make an appointment or yeah, something? Yeah, because there's it, there's a lot of asbestos in there. Right, but if you think, thank you, COVID, and everyone wears yeah. masks now. Yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking if you wore the proper like gear, gear, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Just to go on the outside, not yeah. even necessarily. Going I wouldn't in. mind not just going in, inside. That's fine, but just to see the, the facility itself would be. But like, I would, I, I would want to stand at least in a doorway. Yeah, and look and look, just peer around and yeah. stuff. Because we'll talk about this at the end. Um, but yeah, Harlem Valley now looks like a ghost town, 
it does give off a very creepy feeling for those who choose to enter. Even looking at the photos of this location, you can clearly see that this place may hold some life still inside it. We did discuss the various types of treatments performed here, and we can also state that many adult, adults and kill, kids were killed over the years. These ghosts or entities may still reside here due to their deaths or torture. These beings may be stuck here due to being unable to live a full life. It is very possible that the people or souls who are stuck here are stuck here or were stuck here because they were killed without a reason. Ghosts may have a hard time moving on if they can't comfort their meaning of their own death. The spirits or beings of kids and or teenagers may also linger on the grounds on some level, and that's just kind of sad. When an adult passes away under strange, strange circumstances, it is a bit sad, but it's a bit uncomforting. When it happens to a child or children, it adds a new level of creepiness to what remains of Harlem Valley. So, with with an adult, okay, this is how my mind thinks. With an adult, you, you lived your life and stuff, so... I don't feel as I might. This might sound weird, but I don't feel as bad for those ghosts. I mean, I feel bad what these guys ha what happened to these guys. I do hundred percent. But when it's a child, it's that's when it and feel, the, that's the when child didn't get a chance to live their, their life. life. So they, they may died. At, they may be stuck here, and so they're they're stuck at even being a child. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, like that's even more messed up because it's like. The adult got a chance to grow, grow up to be an adult. The kid didn't. The kid didn't. So that's why I have. That's why it's so creepy to me, because it's like, you you have this overwhelming sadness for the poor kid. Like I said, I do feel bad for everybody. Yes. But it's it's more kids of these. In particular. It's more of these kids. Yeah, that's right. Because these kids didn't. They don't have that opportunity to kind of stand up for themselves, when or push back or no. whatever no. to these doctors. An adult could. They could I'm, try they to. They could try to, right. But a kid's not going to try to. A they know kid's a, not going to try. No. Because I bet you anything, these these messed up doctors are like, if you just do this. You'll be fine. We'll, oh, Trust me, we'll I'm get, a doctor. We'll get you some ice cream. That's right. We'll get you a new toy. Yeah. Just imagine, if you will, a 500 acre plus uh, uh, land abandoned from the outside. But it would appear that inside, beyond the gates and the walls, lives a presence that can never leave. A presence of kids and adults all trying to find some way to break through the screams and cries that are all heard. So then, then the other question is, is this residual haunting or intelligent? So a residual... Or, or is it a poltergeist? Right. So a residual haunting is literally just a recording of the past pretty much what it is like so, a moment in time almost yes so when <clears throat> let's say you see someone sees the same ghost walking the same path all the time it's like that's, they're on a loop right that's it, it's just their presence stained on that time so it's it's like the sounds the crying the laughter the stuff screaming screaming it's almost like it's stained in the building if it's intelligent, that's when you get the talking back. That's when you get the grabbing, the pulling, the um, 
okay, that one ghost is now following me through building the building or well, they room said to some room. people said at the time when they still worked there, they felt cold spots no matter where they were. Right. So they could have been patients that were able to explore the grounds. See, the other thing is uh, smells. Yeah, I I couldn't get into smells. Um, there's smells is also a residual thing. So like maybe someone who died in a room wore a certain perfume and that's all you smell. Maybe a guy, an older gentleman died and maybe he smoked a pipe all the time or a cigar and that's all you smell. So I really wouldn't want to know what kind of smells. No, would, not, not we're here. In this? No. I would it'll get not. Bad, bad very quickly. Oh, yeah. I, I would almost want to assume it's like a death. Yeah. Like a death smell. Or a rotten smell. Yeah. Within the research, we were unable to find the exact number of kids or adults who were tortured via procedures or killed under strange circumstances circumstances at Harlem Valley. I'm sure that if we did find this exact number, it would be very disconcerting. A single person may be able to haunt a location and still make it creepy to various visitors. Just imagine, if you will, a dozen or even a hundred of people, dozen. Hundred of pe- hundreds of people, all dying over the years at one single location. That's a lot of people. These beings would be trying to reach out any way they could, even if it meant screaming or crying within these abandoned halls. Yeah, I mean, I it goes from dozens to hundreds. That's a big number jump. That's a it, lot of people. It is. I mean, and it was also open till 1994. So how many people really could have died? From 1924. 20, from 24 to 94. That's right. It's a long time. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And we said there were 5,800 at one point. How, yeah. What's the percentage of those that died under the doctor's care, too? Exactly. Under some sort of experimentation or, or false practice. Medical treatment. Right. As far as we could tell, not a single doctor or nurse was ever convicted of mistreatment during their tenure at Harlem Valley. We did check multiple sources for this episode, and nothing ever came up about it. It was more like a hush-hush kind of thing. Those who did some of the worst things imaginable were able to walk free, while those who got the brute force of it are now stuck at Harlem Valley. And it's not to say, like, everyone was bad. There was probably no. some good, good people. That's right. We're not saying that at all. There, but we but are there's, saying there were some bad apples. There was also some pretty bad awful ap- people. That's right. Harlem Valley was once a city of sorts, but now it is a decaying shell of what it once was. Through various accounts and photos, we tried to paint a clear picture of what Harlem Valley once was and what it is clearly now. Its drastic changes make sense and we do have a clear understanding of why and how this place became haunted. In 2013, an evangelical college purchased the property and spent millions of dollars trying to restore aspects of this location to its former glory. Could this college clear away the sins of the past or all the souls trapped in this location regardless, even if it's a new thing? I I think if... Even if they were to restore some of the buildings and stuff and maybe just lock off others, I think there'd be just still this creepy, unwelcoming feeling. Do you think that this this college, this evangelical college, would have to perform an exorcist to 
the entire property. I would think property. They, I would think they would have to have some someone come bless through the and property. bless it. Yeah. Or how do you think it'd be the property, or do you think they'd have to go building the building? I would the think building. it would have to be building the building. Wow. I would think. I would think, I think so. so too. Because you don't know what What's happened it? in each building. That's right. You you don't. And that's very tough. Because. A building could be labeled this, but they actually did this That's in right. that building. That's right. You know, it just because it has a title doesn't mean, like, it could say this was the child's wing. But what did they do to the child That's right. in that wing? You know what I mean? In this episode, we were able to cover various aspects of mental health treatments, some positive, some negative. We were also able to talk about the vast history concerning this location and how it came to be. We were also able to talk about how almost everything turned to, uh, from an uh, an 800 acre facility to having 500 with 500 people 5000 people so it was 800 acres with 5000 people almost overnight basically and it does it look like i said like the pictures all posts and stuff on our instagram and facebook i'll show that like aerial view of it and it's because it does area. it looks like this small, small town yeah we were also able to dive into various accounts from people who truly believe this land and the buildings within the property are haunted in some form or fashion. In this episode, we know that doctors and nurses performed cruel acts, and through these cruel acts, we now have a haunted location worthy of us talking about. We ask our audience to look at the photos of Harlem Valley uh, when we post them and ask themselves if they think it's haunted. This large location does look beat up and torn apart, but if you look at the structures still there, it does give off a very creepy vibe. In a sense, it almost feels like Chernobyl, with all the uh, buildings uh, being abandoned and feeling, like, very creepy. With all the overgrowth and all of that stuff, like, through these pictures and stuff. Now, we went through... Uh, images and there isn't there isn't any like ghost images and that's probably because the lack of investigation i would say yeah yeah um because it's closed off to the public you probably have to get a special permit or whatever yeah i would love to go here if we could get permission to go here and just look. just look. There's also videos on YouTube too, uh, Harlem Valley Psychiatric Center or Harlem Valley State Hospital too, and it does look from the videos. It does look very creepy. I'm wondering if um, I might have to look it up, but I, I'm wondering if maybe you know, like uh, ghost hunters or ghost adventurers. One of them. They, they did... said various paranormal investigators. They didn't give exact names of who's gone there. Because it'd be cool if we could find an episode. Yeah, to reference. Uh, just to reference and actually see it. Yeah. See maybe if they found something or. Um, speaking of references, this episode in particular took me a lot of different, lot a lot of digging to do. I had to use several different references, all pertaining to Harlem Valley, and kind of combine them into this episode. So it's not just one reference. So if our audience is looking up information on Harlem Valley, you may have to look at a couple of different things to really find because it's basically a pot of all these things that I kind of combined for this episode. Right. It wasn't actually a book or a resource that we used, like we used in some of our other episodes. Well, it's just like how I did Emily's Bridge. I had to, like, a lot of the the sightings and stuff, I had to pull from different sites. So, I even I even looked on Reddit for some of the, the sighting information, and they were all coming up a little weird, or they weren't as accurate as some of the other sightings, too. So... 
there are people out there that have been to Harlem Valley or were working on it over the years that have claimed to have seen or heard weird things, yeah, strange things they can't explain. The like, like we said, these pictures are just they are very creepy. They're very creepy. Um, even though like you you don't see ghosts or anything in them, it's just even this one right here looks like a 1950s like soda fountain right or down that, there. That's see, what it seems like. This this place had everything on it to keep their employees happy. That's right. So it's almost it's almost so like their employees didn't have to go far. They probably stayed on the campus. Right. They probably stayed there. 24-hour job. I mean, that's – can you imagine not leaving? That would be just crazy. That's crazy onto itself. I don't know because these buildings don't like – I mean, these buildings were made so long ago. I bet you you could hear the screams and stuff at night and oh, – like, I could not imagine what you at would At night, hear. I'm sure it's just it's just awful. I'm right. sure you're just hearing echoes and – but going building to building would just kind of be a nightmare in its own way. Oh yeah. So. So uh, that's all we got for yeah. Harlem Valley. So thank you all for listening. Please follow us on Facebook, Captivated Minds, on Instagram at Minds Captivated. Email us captivatedminds2 at gmail dot com. We also have a PO box, and our Instagrams are also uh, listed in the show notes. If you also like this episode, please uh, like and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing with a five-star yeah, review or any review will if do. If you guys have a creepy place you want us to look at or uh, ideas, an idea for a main topic or even stories for our conspiracy corners. Let us know. Let us we'll, know. We'll talk about it. All right. So thank you. Thank you.